0: You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all. It seems like these days it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name's Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're gonna talk about how to bring your brand to life. Welcome back. To aesthetically speaking. hello hello. I wanted to start off this episode with a couple housekeeping things because at the time of recording this our fourth episode was just released and so I finally like listened to everything and I didn't hate the sound of my own voice as much as I thought I did but I wanted to like set some goals for our like recording sessions or our podcasting in general because we always want to be improving. So this is a classic this is a classic Rebecca move. Rebecca once had a goal setting party and in her it apartment. was great. It was a great party. Everybody got a clipboard as a party favor. Also, if you remember correctly, none of my friends came. It was only your friends because we like forced them to. Well, we had like the same group of friends, but yeah. Yes, my friends were better than yours. And yes. they did come to the goal setting party. To the goal setting party. I've had many goal setting parties actually. I Legitimately think I could have a whole side hustle that's like goal setting stuff. I think you absolutely could. People would buy into that. it's my other, my other passion. Um, okay, so my goal for the podcast is to keep being myself. That's a great goal. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if that counts as a goal. That's just a fact. That is something you're not going to change. No, my real goal is that every once in a while I want to more directly talk about like how you could work with me if you wanted to work together on like actually building your brand. So that's that's one of my goals. Do you have any goals? My goals? Well, I'm I'm kind of put on the spot here because (laughs) Rebecca and I don't script out our podcasts. I legitimately thought I was like, okay, listening to the podcast, should we script it more? And I was like, no, I don't want to script it more. I like just Talking about what we're talking about. No, I like it being chatty. I think for for me, my goal is to not like overtake it with my weird lawyer brain. I like that you overtake it. Oh, I was gonna say that's one of the things we talked about this already, but like I think you can talk more and say more. Yeah. I think in the first episode the first episode, either you couldn't hear me or I was just like going like this, like nodding silently and not contributing very much. <laughs> But I just mean, for me, when I listen to the podcast, I I like being incidentally educated, but I mostly like being entertained. Yeah. So I don't I don't want it to become so content heavy mm-hmm. that you forget that this is what people do, kind of in their downtime. Yeah. Uh, what I thought I could do better is because a lot of the things we're explaining are visual, and we're doing it only in a podcast form. Mm-hmm. Because we love a challenge. I just thought it would be. I could take some more time to really describe, like, here is what I'm seeing, and here's Mm -hmm. where, if you want to follow along, you can see it. I I think we could be clearer about that. Totally. Yeah. And I promise, in the future, I will make sure that not only is my microphone on, it is also (laughs) plugged into my computer, so we're not using my terrible laptop's terrible audio. That was not like a subtweet, by the way, to be like, Abby, what goals do you have? I was just genuinely curious. No, I... I like, yeah, turn your mic on. (laughs) Yeah, turn my mic on. But I listened to all four episodes, which I I didn't think I would. I haven't listened to Caroline's yet. I honestly thought like, oh, this podcast will be out in the universe and I'll just never tell anyone that it exists because I'll be so annoyed by my nasally voice. Yep, yep. And instead I was like, oh, I would listen to me and Rebecca talk for fun. (laughs) <laughs> I like it. And like, you want to know what's even more fun than having these conversations? Re-listening to the conversation that we it. already had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I I genuinely enjoyed listening to it. There were I think there was like a normal level of cringiness that had just happens when you listen to yourself talk and you're like, oh yeah, do I say things that way. But I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't just want to like crawl in a hole and die. Yeah. After, after it was out, because I was legitimately worried that's how I would feel. I was worried, too. I promise I will say like less. And I think <laughs> we just need to put we need to put a taboo on the words cheeky and vibe. We're oh, my right gosh. With those. Oh, my gosh. How many times can I say the word cheeky in one podcast? I'm like, it's kind of like it's cheeky. You know, I'm like, Rebecca, <laughs> enough with the cheeky. Which you don't I, think about until you're being recorded. And then it's I like, know. Hmm. Yeah yeah okay that's that's enough for goals that's housekeeping that's housekeeping if you want to set goals on <laughs> on the down <laughs> <laughs> if you leave us a five-star review rebecca might help you set goals i would love to help anybody set goals i used to go over to jocelyn's house and be like it's time for us to set goals <laughs> Just, like unsolicited you'd be like knock, knock. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> To be fair, she would come over to my house and be like, "It's time to pluck your eyebrows." Yeah. That's <laughs> That's a friendship. That's yeah. a friendship right there. Okay, so this week, if you've been following along in the alphabet, you know what's next. The letter D. You I'm just on pins and needles waiting to announce what it is. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this idea, I would like to think of it as a mind meld. Truly. Because we were talking about our podcast in the family group chat mm-hmm. and our brother Andrew, who actually has not yet seen his brand. I know um side note, I was thinking maybe we should record their reactions. Ooh, that would like be we fun. should have them on the podcast and record it when we show them the brands. Yes, um, that's a good idea. Anyways, but Andrew said, "Oh, this sounds great! I can't wait to hear what he called the Miss Victory episode." <laughs> and if you are if you are a longtime fan of the American Girl Empire, <laughs> you'll know exactly what he's talking about. So this week is D, and we're doing D is for Doll, the American Girl dolls, the American Girl. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a title that's like High School Musical, the musical, the series, yeah, American fun. Girl dolls, the dolls, the brand, the American Girls. Americans brand dolls challenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I thought to introduce this we should reveal the dolls that we had as children. Oh my gosh. Okay. And how we maybe what doll did you get and which doll did you wish you got? Oh, we all wish we had Samantha. Everybody wanted Samantha she was rich and an orphan. Yeah, which was like in my world the dream, like nobody <laughs> else around to bother you. <laughs> I so I got Molly who I did not like. I think literally mom got her for me because she has brown hair and blue eyes. Well, okay. Also, you have to remember. So I'm older than Rebecca. Yeah. So I not to totally take over your intro, but when I turned eight, mom and dad got us American Girl dolls, but they didn't think you were ready. Yes. Well, they they got you an off-brand. They got you an off-brand one and the fingers broke off. (laughs) I forgot about the fingers breaking off. (laughs) also also my fake doll wait i think it was the fake one because the fake one that i got basically looked like molly like it had brown hair and and blue eyes i think anyway the two little tiny tic-tac teeth yes little, (laughs) little tiny teeth i'm like why are they so small yeah why can't they smile but i think it was the fake one marissa our cousin marissa convinced me to cut her hair oh that sounds right and or was that the Barbie that had hair extensions? No, no, it was it was the American girl doll. And I, if my memory serves correct, I took it upstairs to mom and I was like proud of her hair. Like I thought it was like a cute bob. And mm-hmm. mom said something along the lines of like, Well, thank goodness we didn't get you a real American girl doll. Yeah. And that's we like knew you weren't ready. Yeah. And that's like how I found out that it wasn't real. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca's walking around with this like kind of disproportionate doll with three fingers left. <laughs> T Rex hands. Oh my gosh! But then I got Molly, who I just didn't think she was cool at all. What we really wanted was like we wanted current American Girl dolls, which they have now. But the whole thing at the time was that it well, was they like were, American they were starting history. to get the like what what was it called like the American Girl of today. So every year they had like a modern one. And then they also started a feature where you like, if you were super bougie, you could customize the doll so it could have green eyes or there was even one that had curly hair, which was like, Mm-hmm. no, you know, we couldn't afford that. We had to do yeah, our customizing on the my scene.com website. Oh. <laughs> 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 How dare you bring that up in this episode? <laughs> Which also, my scene was like a ripoff of Bratz. No, my scene was like a. I thought it was a overlap of Barbie trying to be more like Bratz. Oh, it could be. I thought Bratz but had I think their it was own Mattel. thing. Okay, that makes more sense. All I know is that Bratz were cool, but our parents thought they were like they were, inappropriate. were Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were like any doll that has eyes that big. Slutty, <laughs> not for you.
1: Okay, okay, anyway, so, so have, yeah,
0: what doll did you get? Yeah, Rebecca had Molly. To be fair, I don't think Molly was intended to be cool. No, no, we'll that's get to thing. that later, later a, in the episode. That's the thing. None of them were meant to be cool because they were meant to like give you patriotic pride in America's history. Yeah. You know, and I didn't think Molly was cool, but I definitely thought she was cooler than your doll. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so I had as a child also. Rebecca was a brunette and I was mm-hmm. a blonde
1: mm-hmm. and these
0: are like immutable characteristics <laughs> that are like you couldn't cross over because then who would you be no no anyway so because I was blonde as a child I had Kirsten which Kirsten was fine but she had first of all, she, she, <laughs> she had weird hair because she had those little Santa Lucia looped braids that mm-hmm. were like to me it just looked like princess leia like it wasn't cute yeah and she was also a pioneer like she was from sweden and they crossed the plains and they had a farm in minnesota and i was just like because we were like descended from the mormon pioneers mm-hmm. there was so much pioneer paraphernalia in our lives that i was like yes i don't need to be reminded about crossing the plains one more time i have already <laughs> played oregon trail Yes. I already went on Pioneer Trek. Like, I've done my time in this world. Yes. Well, and it's so funny because now as an adult, I'm like, that's such a cool idea. Like, one was an immigrant. Yeah. One's father was in the Civil War Army. Like, all these things. But as a kid, have, I was like, like... Addie talked about the Underground Railroad and escaping from slavery. Like, that's right. That's heavy stuff for kids. Right. But at the time, I was just like, boo, where's the cute clothes? These are so ugly. Right. Yeah. I was like, I remember I think I asked for Christmas and got the figure skating outfit. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. For Kirsten. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she had little fake flimsy figure skates and I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. I remember our cousin had a wheelchair and a cast. And I thought that was like, we had a cousin who had every American girl doll and all of the accessories. Yes. So our like, I had a single doll and like a few clothes, but she had everything. But I was like, especially obsessed with the wheelchair and the cast. And in, I don't know if she just bought the set, but in my mind, she had like sent the doll to the American girl doll hospital. And they had like, which they did have. Yeah. They, it's a legit thing. They have one in Dallas. They have this, like the mega store that, has everything and you can go pay a zillion dollars do they have a lunch you can go to with your doll Mm -hmm. yeah and you can like get your ears pierced with your doll oh that's actually really cute i know i actually love it and Cobb is like that is the biggest waste of money (sighs) he just doesn't know like you wouldn't understand he didn't live through it okay so relevant to this week's challenge i have come up with a creative brief for the three, we'll see how far we get. Also, if it gets long and boring, we'll decide how to cut it down. But yeah. the three original dolls were, interestingly enough, Molly and mm-hmm. Kirsten mm-hmm. and our rival, Samantha. Okay, so what was the time period for, well, actually, let's just go through it and we'll talk about like we'll the time period it. for each one. And so, yeah. okay, sorry, explain it more. I interrupted you. Right. So those are the three original, original dolls. And I have imagined that if those people were here today and they approach Rebecca as a client, like what kind of what kind of brand would they want? So oh, for we'll start I should with my dolls. be so lucky. You should be so lucky to have Samantha fancy pants. Seriously. OK, sorry. Who did you say we're going to do first? I think we'll do Kirsten first. So I had envisioned Kirsten okay. because she has this like frontier. have Yeah. You have to Minnesota. read the brief that you wrote. Okay, so I have I envisioned her today as a homeschool teacher. So she's living in Minnesota, but she has like a frontier kind of one room schoolhouse philosophy. Mm-hmm. So that Montessori vibe for sure. Yes, Montessori, lots of outside playtime. Um, she's someone who is like has Swedish heritage, she still celebrates traditional Swedish holidays. So she wants a personal brand that has some Scandi elements, Mm -hmm. meaning Scandinavian, not scandalous. (laughs) (laughs) And then probably something that's a little bit crunchy granola feeling because it is so outdoor homeschool. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I thought as a little homage to the doll, it would be nice to have a braid or something that is, you know, entrenched together somewhere in the design. Yes. Oh, I love this. I feel like the brand that I would create for Kirsten would actually be so much cooler than Kirsten really is. But if Kirsten, like you were saying, was a homeschool teacher in Minnesota and she's like got this vibe going, I feel like that would be very appropriate. So the first thing that I thought of is like the Swedish influence, right? Okay. And so IKEA. <laughs> Not IKEA. Um, definitely like blue and yellow, right? But the cool yeah. thing about, like, Scandinavian design or Scandinavian, like, architecture is that it can be kind of minimalist, but Swedish design has, like, some warmth, like, some kind of personable elements to it. Like, I almost imagined something that had, like, little embroidered flowers on it, uh-huh. right? Like, there's some, like, texture and layers in there. So, what I kind of imagine is I would do... So, like, let me start with colors. So, I would do primary colors. So, red, yellow, blue, but I would just make them like a little bit darker and a little bit more muted. So, it's less like primary preschool kind of feel and more of like, how would you like, how would you dye something blue using like a flower or something that you found in nature? Right. Ooh, okay like that really like homegrown organic kind of color. So it would be like a dark berry yeah. red and like a dandelion yellow or like a sunflower yellow and maybe even like a brown in there somewhere just to give it kind of like that crunchy granola kind of vibe. So okay. that's like kind of like the colors that I imagine. Then if I was doing like her logo, so let's say that the name of her school was like, Kristen's care center or something not with- kirsten not Kristen. kirsten kirsten sorry I- oh kirsten if it makes you feel any better i don't know the difference between those two names so but i At would not it kirsten it w- oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say i think i don't know swedish but i wonder if in actual swedish it would have been like with a j i think so too and here's the thing I think- and then the pleasant company was like no 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 <laughs> too confusing <laughs> and they're like we can't do little that. children yeah yeah and the funny thing is, like, I like Kirsten so much better. I feel like that key has just like a sweeter sound to it than and the Kristen? Chris, Yeah, it's a harsher sound. It also doesn't have Chris in the beginning, which just makes me think for a second that it's a boy's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is slightly off topic, but I read this study, research, whatever you want to call it, where they had participants look at two objects. And they were told that they had to name them. They had to choose a name, basically. You've maybe heard of this, but the, one of the names. I think names... I heard about this on the Baby Name podcast. Okay, probably. So one of the names was like Baluba. And the other uh-huh. name was Takiti or Takete or something like that. And one of the objects was really round and bubbly. And the other object was really sharp and jagged. And interesting, by and large, like, what would you do? Which object would you use which name for? Baluba would be the cloud bubbly looking one. Right, right. Same. But like, yeah, there's actually no real reason for it other than like, we intuitively perceive those letters and sounds to be a round shape visually. I just think it's really the cool. One, B is a little bit more round, K is a little bit more spiky. Right. And you like you can when, come up with justifications, right? Yeah, like when you're like saying it, you're like to Katie or whatever it is. Like you're making right. that harsher sound with your lips. So it makes sense, but it's just cool that like even people who aren't designers have some intuitive sense of like what what makes sense visually. Right. Anyway, can't remember where I was going with that. You were telling us the name of, of Kirsten's homeschool. Brand okay. business. Yeah. So let's say it's like Kristen's, I don't want to call it care center because that sounds too like institutional facility. I would maybe say yeah. like Kirsten's child center or like child led school or something like that. Yeah. But I would do like a thick, not handwritten, but I'm almost imagining like it was woven or rated or sewn for the name Kirsten. Interesting. Where okay. it has like that handmade kind of feel, where it's like cursive. Yeah. inch. the letters are like looped together. It's kind of woven in, and then I would it's have crafty. Like, yeah, yeah, like it's ha- it's this handmade vibe, and then I would have. That's like, we're not saying that word anymore. I know. Hand, hand taboo buzzer buzzer hand, buzzer hand handcrafted vague feeling. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's just as good. And then I would use something really simple underneath that, like child development center or whatever it is. And like would if you do I, Kirsten's classroom, classroom with a K? No, because I would avoid anything that could be possibly construed as KKK. Smart. Yeah. So now they say it. Yeah, because there's like a lot of stuff that you could do. And I'm actually not opposed to using the wrong letters. For words in branding, I think it's actually a really effective tool. Mm-hmm. But Just I don't, probably not with the letter K. Yeah. And I don't actually think that for Kirsten's brand, she's trying to be like quirky and disruptive. She's trying to have like this return to like parenting and schooling the way that nature intended it to be kind of vibe. So it's like we want, yeah. it, to, we want it to feel more like safe and homey. Right. You know, like I'm almost imagining around her logo, like a lace doily kind of shape. Okay, like a scallop? Yeah, like a scallop. But like you were saying, like having some kind of like layering in there. So it looks like it's braided together. Oh, I like that. So I would use that as like more of a border thing than like in the actual type, I think. But that's just kind of off the cuff. And then if I was doing a brand photo shoot with Kirsten, I would for sure do something like in the woods and I would try to do something like really more out there, like have her be like up in a tree or have everybody be in the trees, but like (laughs) be doing their homework. You know what I mean? I also, I know that this is not the way that people do school anymore, but. When somebody says they're a homeschool teacher or that they're doing a Montessori, I just imagine everybody is like writing with chalk on a piece of slate. <laughs> yes. That is what I envision. Yeah. I would also love like a portrait shot of her in like her normal modern clothes but like holding a little baby field mouse. Oh. <laughs> just like you know like something that's like that like I'm I'm a real like down to earth teacher. Yeah, <laughs> for sure would not be her like in a traditional classroom with an iPad kind of thing. Yeah. That's so funny. I feel like I've already done a brand photo shoot with Kirsten because I do have a photo of me and my doll wearing the same outfit. Oh my gosh, same. Our mom made us take our American girl dolls to school with us for picture day and do It was it was like a pictures prop with picture picture day. It wasn't the one with the blue cloud background where everybody looks the same. No, it was. I think they said to bring a prop. I don't remember anybody else actually bringing a prop, but I can see that like maybe being a thing. Maybe. <laughs> I honestly don't remember. I just remember one of us, and I don't know. I honestly don't know if it was me or you. It was me. I know what you're gonna. I know what you're talking about, and it was me. <laughs> you were supposed to wear the coat to match <laughs> the doll. Either you needed to wear the coat or you didn't need to wear the coat, but you did the wrong thing. So you didn't match the doll and you had to do it again. I'll tell you what it was. (laughs) So Molly had like this petticoat, right? It was like a blue petticoat with like the Peter Pan collar. And I also had a petticoat like that, like a pea coat is probably the modern term anyway. And so Molly, my doll, was wearing hers all day. But because I was a child in kindergarten, I did not wear my coat all day. I took it off. And this is just like a classic kid thing. But like we go down the hall to take pictures and I get there and I realize that my doll, Molly's wearing the coat and I'm not. And I don't know why, but instead of just saying, I forgot my coat that I'm supposed to wear in the picture. Can I go back to the classroom and get it? I was like, I can't go back. There's nothing we can do. And so I was like, well, (laughs) it's like, I know that my mom wants us to be the same. So I was like, it's easy. I'll just take off her coat. No worries. (laughs) Problem solved. Like, got it. So she's wearing some weird outfit and I'm wearing some totally different weird outfit. But you want to know the really funny thing is that we both have side ponytails, (laughs) you know how that was a thing to like wrap your hair all the way over from one side to like stick straight out your head on the side like a fucking faucet (laughs) so yeah i don't remember redoing the picture but we must have because i remember having a picture where we're both wearing the coat again so you're both wearing the coat yeah oh my gosh yeah that was oh that is such a kid thing to be like they said to go and i went and now i can't there's nothing i can do the adults have spoken. Right. And I was such, I mean, I still am, but I was such a rule follower. They said we had to stay here. So we have to stay here. Like, I remember telling mom and her being like, tell your teacher that you forgot your coat and you need to go back and get it. And I was just like, she said we couldn't. You know, your brain just like doesn't think that way. Yeah. Like, it wasn't my turn to talk. Yeah. It also never would have occurred to me to like, ask if I could call my mom from the school. Yeah, I never did that. now i also feel like everybody has a cell phone but i like i wouldn't have known that they had the ability to call my mom right right yeah like other people would call and be like i forgot my homework and it just like didn't occur to me yeah yeah so weird super weird okay do you feel like there's anything missing from kirsten's brand i feel like we've got the brand photo shoot i can see in my mind the little little field mouse I've generally got the colors. Yeah. I feel like I would really lean into not just like the crunchy, I'm a homeschooler, I'm a natural kind of person, but I would really lean into like why homeschooling is important in this way. Like, why is it important that kids don't go to school and sit at a desk all day? Why is it important for them to be home? What can they learn better because of that? Like in terms of messaging, that's kind of how I would lean into that so it's not just like hey i like i really like nature and so that's what i'm doing for my kids it's like actually it's better for them to experience it this way because of these things yeah that's a good point okay are we ready to talk about samantha oh yes samantha so in the american girl doll world Mm -hmm. as we mentioned samantha was a rich orphan who lived with her grandmother hmm In this big fancy house. I think it was supposed to be like Victorian. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I got. But also, do you remember... So every doll had like a series of books that came with them. Mm-hmm. And they even had similar titles. It was like, Molly Learns a Lesson. Uh-huh. And then there was something about like, what were what were the other ones? I don't... I literally only remember Molly Learns a Lesson. Molly Learns a Lesson. Anyway, so all of all of the dolls, it was like meet Molly. Molly learns a lesson, and then there was a mm-hmm. third or fourth one that I don't fully remember. Yeah, and Samantha learns a lesson. Everyone had like a best friend. Oh yeah, yeah. and Samantha's was like a peasant. <laughs> <'cause it lived laughs> next door, she really. I think her her friend next door was like a servant in her grandma's household. Okay, wait. I yes, I think I remember this. Yeah, she like had a. Had a friend who was, like, from the lower class. Yes. (laughs) And so Samantha was, like, getting class educated by her friend who was, like, oh, you don't have a velvet dress? Yes. I also have a memory of Samantha having a carriage. I don't know if that's an accurate memory or not. I feel like that's plausible. Because Felicity was, like, horse girl. Yeah, Felicity had some horses. But Samantha, I feel like, had a horse-drawn carriage. And so I was like, oh, yeah. must be more horses, more money. Even fancier. Yeah. So I envisioned in today's equivalent, mm-hmm. maybe Samantha's still an orphan. But I just definitely think, I think she's definitely a Nepo baby. Oh, yeah. And I think she's probably, like, she's an Instagram model who wants to actually be a fashion model. One thing. Thousand percent. If any of the American girls were going to be Instagram influencers, it would be Samantha. It would be Samantha. Yeah, because I honestly don't remember anything about her except she was like rich and had pretty clothes. Oh yeah. I here's the thing. I feel like they really pushed this narrative of like Samantha is an orphan. Boo hoo. But she's rich and beautiful. And it's like Molly has a family. Yay. But she's kind of ugly because she has glasses. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Like, i honestly remember nothing about kirsten because i've blocked it out <laughs> it was just like they were stereotyping them so hard that like they were just like okay this one can be pretty but she'll have to be an orphan it was like draw a good thing <laughs> out of a hat draw a bad thing out of the hat yes you know yeah because i also maybe this is just me growing up not feeling like i had money i remember thinking like oh samantha's rich she's probably a brat. yeah but i was also like but i want to be that but i yeah (laughs) but maybe that could be me one day (laughs) yeah so the other thing that the most striking visual detail from the samantha canon to me is she had this green dress there was velvet there was some taffeta and it just seemed very luxe so Mm -hmm. i I envision her in these, like, dark, moody colors, Mm -hmm. some textiles, and especially if she's going into a fashion-oriented world. Oh, yeah. I think something, talking about fabric, I think could work for her brand. 100%. In my mind, Samantha and The Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett, I think is her name. Those are, like, Mm -hmm. the same person because they describe her as, like, she has like this dark wavy hair and like porcelain skin and bright green eyes. And she's an orphan, but like, actually she's low key loaded. Yes. The dream. <laughs> yeah. None of the constraints of having parents, all of the resources. Yes, exactly. So I like pictured them seriously the same. Like I have this
1: image in my like mind. The same
0: time period. That must have been like one of the go-to tropes of that time. Yeah, I mean, that checks out for Victorian literature. It was like chimney sweeps, orphans, little batch girls. (laughs) Yes. Isn't it so funny? Like, who do you even know these days? Who do you know that's an orphan? Who do you know that's an orphan? (laughs) But like, that's just not even a story that we write anymore. Because it's like, just not relevant. It's just very different. I feel like your parents aren't like dying in a tragic accident or from like the flu. Right, right. It's just very... Very different. Yeah. Yeah. I have this image. So, okay. So I would do something for Samantha with the velvet. I have this image in my mind of Samantha's hair where it's like long, dark locks, but then she has kind of the front pulled back and there's like a dainty velvet green ribbon that like kind of cascades down either side. Right. Like, oh, so I would use like a ribbon or a bow somewhere in her, like, logo. because I would do be, feel like she had a bow in one of her outfits that was significant. She totally did. Like, some kind of, like, and it would be, like, this super feminine icon where it's, like, wavy and kind of, like, going down by the side where it's, like, Samantha. But I would also keep it kind of, like, understated, a little bit more, like, Kate Spade vibes in terms of, like, what the actual type would look like. Okay, so It would have, like, some kind of, like, very simple bow icon, but, like, the name would be pretty, like, clean and classic. Can you see that? I'm, like, picturing okay. it. I like, can see it. Here's, I imagine this, like, she would open it. I'm going so down this rabbit hole. I imagine okay. that she right. has, like, her own line of, like, designer hats, and they come in, like, these hats. Okay. They come in these hat boxes, and the front just has, like, a gold embossed bow and then you lift it up and there's, like, this tissue paper and it just says, like, Samantha, 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 Samantha. And then you open it up and it's, like, <laughs> this, like, kind of over-the-top hat. Yeah. So do you – I know Kate Spade kind of has a bow motif. Yeah, she has – well, she has, like, the Spade icon. And to me that feels icon. different than what's – yeah, different than what's going on. Because Kate – I'm trying to describe Kate. Kate Spade reminds me of my friend Amy. Totally. It's very classy. Mm-hmm. There's like a whimsicalness to it and a little bit of not youthfulness, but like you know what I'm trying to say that I'm not articulating well. Like yeah. polka dots are classic, but there's also something that's like very feminine and a little bit young about them. Yes. So the like the way that I would differentiate, Kate Spade is kind of high contrast, right? Where it's like they have yes. hot they have hot pink and black. They have light blue and like dark yellow. Whereas Samantha, I would do slightly more like monochromatic. So it's lower contrast, but also just a little bit moodier. So the bow wouldn't be like this perfectly equal symmetrical icon. It would be a little bit more hand drawn, like have an organic wave to it. Okay. And then, like, I imagine her font as I don't want to say a retro style, but like something a little bit more calligraphy esque. Okay. Where it has like some thicks and some thins and there's like a little bit of movement to it, you know, like mm. I'm kind of imagining like a really big S and then it's like Samantha and then the A like trails off at the end a little bit. Ooh, almost like it's her autograph. Yes, exactly. So it's there's still like the classiness of the Kate Spade and some of that simplicity, but the colors aren't so stark. They're like a little bit, yeah. they're a little bit closer to each other. So you'd have like yeah. a, a dark green. I would do like a dark red, a dark purple. Um, I'd do like a really pretty cream. I think she had. There's like a dress that she had that was like a plaid kind of. Yes, the dress. plaid. You know what I'm talking about? Like I would. Totally, I know exactly what you're talking about. I would totally use that as one of her patterns for something. Yeah. So yeah, that's like the the vibe that I envision. And if I was doing a brand photo shoot with Samantha, and she lived in the year of our Lord, 2023, I would straight up get a horse-drawn carriage and put her in it and take like (laughs) super like almost high fashion photos. What I would do is I would take the concept of somebody who did a photo shoot in like a private jet or like a Mercedes or some fancy Lamborghini car Uh But I would do those exact same photos in the horse-drawn carriage. In the horse-drawn carriage. Oh my gosh! Yes. I really love that. Actually, wouldn't that be amazing? I like. I feel like they just did that in a the season of America's Next Top Model, where they had Rita Ora as the host. They did a private jet photo shoot. Yes, yes. It was kind of that same vibe. Very, yeah. Much, we're like, very extravagant. Yeah, like imagine her standing and she's holding one of her custom hats, and in her hand <laughs> she has like a handbag. And she's wearing like a floor length velvet gown, and she's standing in the horse drum carriage, and her gown is like sweeping out behind her in the wind. Ooh, I like that. I do like that. Right? And you would be like, I must have that hat. Yeah. It's only $499. Oh my gosh. But if your parents left you enough money, it's worth it. If your grandmother is rich enough. Also, Samantha, unfortunately, was really good friends with. Anna from Inventing Anna, who is now in jail. So sad. <laughs> she's out of jail. Oh, she's out of jail. out of jail now. So she's back. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, I can totally see that, actually. Okay, so we've done Samantha. We've done Kirsten. Now we- it's time to return Return to your roots. Oh, my gosh. So Molly, some, some backstory about Molly is that she tries out for like a school. Pa- so first of all, backing up molly is the wartime girl yeah they talk about rations they talk mm-hmm. about like saving scrap metal she has a victory garden mm-hmm. molly then, is like the wannabe version of little women but little women is civil war and molly is world war ii but yes oh she's world war 2 i've been saying civil war this whole time i meant world war Two. yeah she's you meant world war Two. i know what you meant yeah 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 i know so my in, molly yeah you better <laughs> i also i remember the molly books way better than the kirsten books i literally I think, think because we, molly I think was the most modern up until yes. they had the girls of today yes at the time i was like Phew, at least i didn't get kirsten <laughs> at least molly has running water <laughs> but okay so they have this school pageant and molly tries out to be miss victory mm-hmm. so i liked kind of this americana aspect for molly and then mm-hmm. also Miss Victory was just like a really important cultural moment for me and Rebecca. Because, <laughs> because we also had the computer game where you could write your own play based okay. on the American Girl. Okay, wait, wait, wait. If you are listening to this and you <laughs> have somehow the American Girl CD-ROM game, Will you please contact me and I will pay you cash money for it so that Abby <laughs> and I can relive our childhood. Because somehow our mom got rid of it or our computer crashed or something. And I mean, I would love to get our original plays back, but I would just love to write one of those plays again. Our original plays. So, okay. So this, the CD-ROM was not just like a normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. We a normal what like it explore is. the world of the American girls. It was so that you could write a script and the American Girl characters would perform a play. Yes. So for like for Windows 95, it was mm-hmm. pretty sophisticated because it, you could give them stage directions and these little icons would move across mm-hmm. and you could coordinate the movement. And then in theory, it was designed so that you could record your voice performing these plays in the world of the American Girls. Yeah. Well our computer never worked and we you never think, had a microphone you think we ever had a microphone with that computer no way so instead there was a mechanism to do the windows 95 equivalent of series voice which <laughs> was it really bad have, it was really bad and it didn't have any intuitive it didn't have any intuition at all so if you yes. typed hmm <laughs> it would just say h-m-m-m-m-m-m <laughs> in this totally robotic Well, It's so funny because it couldn't, like, there were some words that it just couldn't say, like, hmm, right where we had spelled it, like, H-M-M-M-M-M. But then other times there would be regular English words that it just couldn't say correctly. Like, we had one of our characters, Ricky, say, (laughs) you guys are nuts like squirrels, one of Abby's lines. She would later become an English major, everybody. (laughs) But the computer read it as, you guys are nuts like squirrels. And also, if you put, if you had a title, if there was a period anywhere in the sentence, either a dot, 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 or like, Mrs. or Mr., it would take a really long pregnant oh, pause. Yes. So one so of the characters in Molly's role was, was named Mrs. Guilford, G-I-L-F-O-R-D. G-I-L-F-O-R-D. hmm <laughs> So Rebecca and I wrote, a, <laughs> we wrote a murder mystery. <laughs> and this, you guys, we spent probably days writing this. Like it was a three-act play. It was a who-done it. And then it turned out <laughs> at the very end that it was, you know, I think and I don't know who she was in the books, but in our mind she was like the lunch lady. And so like I think she was a teacher, but she was frumpy. And so she- we just made her the villain and everything. Yes. Well and you don't have that many characters because you're limited by what's in the book. And so the climax of this incredible theatrical piece was Ricky saying, it was Mrs. <laughs> i actually think i actually think that was one of our better ones oh it because was really good we that, like left yeah yeah most of our plays before then had just been like very thinly veiled insults to people we knew oh yeah or like i feel like a lot of our games growing up were some version of cinderella yeah oh, Molly wants to go to the school dance, but she can't. Well, she got a pretty dress and now she's going to go and she's going to be the prettiest one there. Yeah, it was a lot of like Cinderella princess diaries. Yes, yes. I do think I had a parent trap one because that was really iconic to me. The funniest thing was playing Barbies, which Abby and I also did for way too long. Whenever we would have like the main character show up at the dance, not only did she have the prettiest dress, but, like, she would also, like, dance. Like, <laughs> do, like my characters were always, like, doing a solo dance. And, like, in my mind, that was how you knew that they were really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was also due in part to the fact that one year we got Barbies that were, like, double jointed. Like, all of their fingers and ankles and everything could bend. The, gym- the gymnast Barbies had hips that could do different things. Yes. And so that became, like, a core feature in my stories. Like, well... Ella showed up to the dance, and now she's gonna do her trick routine. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll get a boyfriend. The only, the only uh, American girl dolls that had a dance feature was Felicity, mm-hmm. because Felicity was like the colonial one. Yes, but the only person that was like possibly the right age and size to be her love interest was some <laughs> character named Jiggy Nye. <laughs> Also like we didn't have Felicity so we didn't know like her story as well as like Molly or Kirsten and so we were just going We were just like wild making up her yeah, story. it was just a lot of improvisation. Also in my mind again like not understanding history or geography or anything I was basically like oh Felicity like this is like Pride and Prejudice. But yeah. like not exactly. <laughs> not exactly. You, you know. From continent yeah okay. but it's like oh there's a ballroom and she's wearing a, a long dress yeah must be pride and prejudice right like in my mind those were like basically the same thing i didn't understand the difference anyway what should we say is like molly's like business for her brand so what i envisioned for molly she's like a little bit nerdy she wasn't necessarily <laughs> cool in high school the only the only possible conclusion is that she's now running for public office oh jeez. So I, I see her, like, running for the state legislature. I actually. From, like, Ohio or where, wherever it is Molly is from. Actually, let me look it up. Where is Molly from? She's not, oh, I don't think it's Ohio. I feel like Kit Kittridge was in Ohio. She was cute because she had short hair. Yeah, Kit was really cute. Girl doll from. Illinois. Illinois, classic, right in the middle. Hmm. oh and she was from a scottish american family i actually didn't know that molly mcintyre oh, oh man, yeah she went to summer camp yeah she's like the all-american girl yeah she really is it's too so, bad yeah, she had those glasses a candidate. yeah she could have gone far but because she was ugly in high school now she worked hard she's gonna run for office change the world Oh my gosh, can she at least run for something interesting? Like can she be like on the state board of education or something? Sure. Okay. Sure. Cuz she's I, running for state comptroller. Okay. Okay. Cuz I'm like at least that's kind of interesting. Okay, I'll I'll do what I would do if she was like actually legitimately running for office and what yeah. I would do if this was a dream world and political candidates could actually have cool designs because yeah. I think unfortunately you really can't push it in political branding. Like when I look back at like Obama's campaign, I'm like, that was actually very forward-thinking design-wise, and it still was like pretty traditional, right? Yeah. Do you I mean, mean, like the hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like using like using like a caricature of his image rather than like an actual yeah. photo. That's like that's like pushing the envelope in that world and that's kind of how you'll notice it like democrat candidates typically have a design that's a little bit more modern republican candidates typically have a design that feels more traditional and conservative right like it makes sense so you couldn't necessarily do something like super quirky for molly unless she was like i'm like your super liberal progressive candidate right as a side note, I think there is someone I used to follow on Twitter. I think had a whole Substack just talking about graphic design of political campaigns. Mm.
1: Where I are wish they? I it. it
0: was really, really well done. They should be on this podcast. He he should be running this podcast, not us. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah, but it, it was super interesting. Oh, it's fascinating. So let's say that like I'm legitimately helping Molly run for office. I would do something. Very, very simple. And I would make her name like the most recognizable thing on those posters. It would just be everywhere. Like uh-huh. Molly, 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 like huge, huge, huge. That would be like her visual recognition. And I'd probably do some like stars in a like little overarching thing and have like McIntyre. Like the Miss Victory crown and how I had stars in it. Exactly, exactly. But I wouldn't really do anything. When you're running for office, you're relying more on repetition than being like super unique.
1: Yeah. Again,
0: especially in like local or state politics. It's really like, have people seen your name? Do they know who you are? Do they have a vague idea of what you like do? If you have elected judges, sometimes there's so many names that it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, who do I remember? What name right. sounds sounds better? Right. People vote for all kinds of emotional, personal reasons that have nothing to do with your actual qualifications. (laughs) Yes. And if I, if she had a specific political party, I would probably go a little bit more interesting on those icons. Like I wouldn't use the standard donkey or elephant icon just as a way of making it more visually appealing. Yeah. It's like, that's where I would push the envelope for her more than like... In the actual design of it, I think if would you, you push the colors at all or would you stick to the classic red, white, and blue? Honestly, even in my dream world, I wouldn't push the colors because for Molly, they're like so appropriate. Yeah. Like she is such an American girl. I would love to do something with like a little bit of silver in there because I feel mm, like, okay, I'm imagining like the silver rim of her glasses and also the silver <laughs> of like an award. That her dad won in the war, bringing Mm -hmm. in some of that like old, this is like, she's like, I have this lived experience. I know what I'm talking about. Like I've been through this kind of bringing in like that old vibe more than like, I'm a super young, hip Miss Victory. I'm the Miss Victory who really gets it, you know? Yeah. And then I would do something. I would still make her name the focus because I think like the word Molly is so iconic. But maybe instead of doing it in all caps, I would find a really warm feeling serif font. And Mm. when I'm saying like a warm feeling serif font, when you have a font that has like those little edges that are serifs, right? If you have edges that are like really pointy and dramatic, that feels a little bit more like editorial. It can feel more high end. It can also feel a little bit cold, like not as personal. But if you have a font where there's like, more soft contrast you can still have like the thicks and thins but it's just a little bit rounder that feels like a little bit more friendly so i'd find something kind of in that like friendly zone and do molly and then i would have the y swish around right like okay more more signature-esque and then i would put like mcintyre underneath that okay if we so in your dream world where you're not bound by convention at all What's your dream? What is your dream for American political advertising? (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard because like it just feels so off. Even for somebody like me, where I'm like like to experiment with things, I'm like, it just feels so weird to have a political campaign that is purple or like yeah. Like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. Do you not love the flag? Right. But yeah, for Molly, I would like I would still do red, white, and blue, honestly. And I would do like those classic stars. I would definitely tell her to stop wearing her hair in braids because that's hurting her image for sure. (laughs) That's a Kirsten's brand. Stay in your lane, Molly. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, hey, like, how long have you had the bangs? You ever (laughs) thought about doing something different? And I would probably like I'm thinking now, like, so so like what I was describing with the warm serif font, that would be like my dream world. If I was doing it for real, I would just do like Molly block letters, super yeah. big, nothing fancy. And I'm trying to think like what I would do for Molly if I was doing a photo shoot for her. Yeah. Because on the one hand, I'm like, Molly, let's get you into a power suit. Let's do it, you know? But at the same time, I'm like, no, let's dress her up like the Statue of Liberty, and take, oh. her, and take her to, like, the town square and, like, take a photo. <laughs> I envision her dressed up as, like, I'm just a bill from Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> I like that. But your idea is a little bit more visually appealing. <laughs> That's why you're the expert. I'm kind of imagining, like, a cross between the Statue of Liberty and the, is it Columbia Pictures? That has, like, the Statue yeah. of Liberty lady. Like, kind of yeah. that vibe. Yeah, Lady Justice a little bit. Yes. Yes, a little bit like that. I'm also wondering like what Molly's profession would be. Like, do you think she'd be a lawyer these days? I don't see her as a lawyer. I really do see her as like a public servant. I was I was going to say I could see her as a public school teacher. I kind of can too, but I, I really think she's someone who's like, listen, if you need someone to work at the DMV, I'll work at the DMV. Ugh. If you need someone to work in the public works department, I'll be in the public works department. I'll be on the school board, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Go I could her s- civic duty. Yeah. I could see her like, maybe she was like a public school teacher and then she worked for the school district and like she saw all of the problems that were happening in our schools and she decided like, somebody's <laughs> got to do something about this and it's going to be me. And now she's running for office and she's out there every week, like keeping her city beautiful. Yeah, that seems... But chipper and with a smile on her face. That's what I oh, see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got those great little teethers. <laughs> <laughs> it also seems to me like American Girl dolls, their smiles were so narrow. I Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I've thought a lot about it. Because I'm like, if they had all their teeth, I feel like that would actually be creepier. Yeah, but they you also know, couldn't have no teeth. Right. So I feel like the the two teeth were like a good in-between but it does kind of infanticize them a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I was also reading about them to prepare for this podcast. And so the I learned two important things. One, it is named the Pleasant Company. Because okay. the founder was named Pleasant Roland. And it's no. this woman who had this idea for like history-based dolls. And her first name was Pleasant. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I am using that for my next child. Pleasant. Pleasant. Pleasant, I love that. Isn't that nice? Also, like and then the other, thing I guess I, I assumed that they were made by a woman, but I didn't actually know that. So that like I gives me so much I, pride. I assumed that it was from like Pleasant, Iowa, or something. Yeah, and I assumed that they their founder was a man because I just assumed. Yeah, and I but was it made say, me really like, happy that it was a woman. Yeah, kind of. I had this assumption. I don't know where it came from, but it was like just a cash grab, right? Like, oh, we'll make these American girl dolls and people will pay tons of money. But it was actually this woman that's like, hey, American history is super important to me. Yeah. And I think it was also, it was an attempt to be like, for girls, we have baby dolls and then we have Barbies and there's nothing in between. Yeah. There are no you are like taking care of a baby Mm -hmm. or you are like a sex object and then there's like nothing else. And she was like, Girls need girl dolls. Like yes, yeah. Ten years old. Yeah, they are girls. Yeah, yeah. It's such a. So, anyways, I thought it was cool. Do you remember the books? Um, they were called like Alice in Between. Oh, do I remember? <laughs> yes, I do. there's was a lot it, of books of that series. It's kind of like the Judy Bloom era of like yeah, like the coming twins. of age. Yeah, the girls who are not quite teenagers. They're not quite there yet, but like they're not little kids either. And I distinctly remember that phase of life being, like, hungry for those kinds of stories. Yeah. But if somebody had described them as coming of age, I would have resisted. Who's the person who wrote The View from Saturday? Isn't that... And Silent to the Bone? Oh, that's the same person? E.L. Konisberg? I think so. Did she also write A Wrinkle in Time? No, that was Madeline Langle. Yeah. E.L. Conisberg is the author, but... Our, um, our mama Who like really Walk liked. Two Moons? Oh, Sharon Creech. I love Walk Creech. Two Moons. I liked a lot of things by Sharon Creech. I still do. I think she's a great author. Yeah, I think they're all good. I, I do think these are distinct styles of books, but kind of in that same vein. Mm-hmm. But I really liked The View from Saturday because it's about kids in like sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And they're clearly very smart kids. Yeah. But also the things that they are wrestling with are not they're not kid problems about like my friend took my lunch money you know like Mm -hmm. a very typical trope that you would see in a tv show about kids yeah they're wrestling really with like identity issues and transition and Mm -hmm. parental disputes one Mm -hmm. of them has some issues with racism and it's like yeah it it doesn't seem like it's a didactic or cloying kind of thing It, it was really like here is I respect children enough to know that they have serious problems and want to be treated seriously. Yes. I felt that way about Sharon Creech when I read Walk Two Moons. She basically is on this journey to find herself after her mom died, and she can't really accept the fact that her mom died. And I I read it in the way that the back cover was written and the way that the story was written. It was not super clear to me as a young reader that her mom was dead until you get to the very end. Yes. Which I think might've been intentional. Like, yeah. sorry, if we're spoiling it for you, it's still a (laughs) book worth reading. Yeah. But yeah, they. it says on the back, like she is like finding her mother or searching for her mother or something. And so I had the same thing where I was like, oh wait, her mom was dead. And like, she knew that her mom was dead. Right. But like, same kind of thing where it wasn't somebody being like, you little 10 year old girls, like you just have little girl problems. It was right. Hey, like you think about things really deeply. And like, is it at written at a super sophisticated level? No, but I still think it's like great storytelling. And there's yeah, even some beautiful quotes from that book that I still look back on. I still think about some of the things that are there's like these little fortunes that kind mm-hmm. of pop up throughout the book. Yeah. And some of those little phrases I think about quite a bit. Uh-huh. It was also such a good introduction to literary devices because she me- yeah and this is like so random that I remember this but she has a friend Phoebe whose mom yes. moves out or something and you mm-hmm. learn that that's basically a foil for what's her name and her mom when she even shares like the very first anecdote is about there's a wall in their house and they tear it down and there's a fireplace behind it yes and she says, that's like, Phoebe's story is the frame for my story, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. Which, like, that's such a complex thing to say that the real story is about me, but I'm framing it in terms of Phoebe's story. Exactly. Yeah, like, this exactly. is very adult stuff for kids. Yeah, but I, like, I really appreciated it. And even though I didn't necessarily understand it on that level the first time I read it, like, I liked it for the story. And I felt some sense of, there's something in here that's like, speaking truth to my experience yeah. too, which I really like. Yeah. I felt that this is the last book that I'll mention, then we'll return to, you know, our initial purpose. <laughs> but I, th- I felt like that about holes where it oh, like it's I going back and holes. forth in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the story of his great, great, you know, his no good dirty run pig stealing, pig stealing great, stealing great, great grandfather. grandfather. And then there's kissing Kate Barlow. And then there's also him. Mm-hmm. And like, that's such a complicated timeline. Yeah, but it's not too complicated. Like that's how we experience things, and that's how stories are told. Yeah, like kids can understand that. Yes, kids totally get that. Also, did you know that Lewis Sakar, who wrote Holes, didn't have a name for the main character, and so he was like, "Whatever, I'll just call him Stanley Yelnats for now." because he, he couldn't think of anything and then that became like a part of the storyline that it was like oh his name yeah. was the same front and backwards because his ancestors like everyone thought it was so cool you know that's so funny so i heard something similar about the great gatsby so the the book cover for the original printing of the great gatsby is i i have it on a t-shirt it's uh-huh. super iconic but it's very weird it's kind of like Coney Island
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: behind it is this blue skate and then there's like mm-hmm. a woman's face in the back and in the woman's eyes are naked ladies <laughs> yeah well and it's like it's like the ferris wheel kind of outlines if you look through the ferris wheel there's like these two eyes and in the eyes it's yes. like ev- everything is in something else and it keeps going kind of yeah it's very weird kind of it's abstract weird. so it turns out the publisher came up with this Image for the book cover before *The Great Gatsby* was finished, oh. and F. Scott Fitzgerald hated it. He hated, hated, it, hated it, hated it. <laughs> because he was like, "You're trying to make my story into something that's very, very sensational, mm-hmm. very tabloid, and I'm trying to write like a literary piece about the Jazz Age. Like I'm trying to say something mm-hmm. very unique about this time, and you're trying to give me something that's tawdry, right?" But he kind of came around to it, so. There's some letters between him and the publisher where he talks about, I've come around to it. Please don't give it away. I've written it into the book. Oh. So there's this motif in the book about the eyes on the billboard. I love that. I love it. So, like in the in the real book, it's like an optometrist with glasses. And Uh it's kind of this metaphor for like the eyes of God watching these people make mistakes and mess in each other's lives. Right. But it came from this book cover. I just thought that was a really cool collaborative effort between like the artist and the writer coming together to make something that like the whole is more than the sum of its parts, right? Yes. I love that. Okay. Not to make everything about me, but I feel like that's actually very similar to my design process. So I mentioned I do a brand strategy, right? And that's Mm -hmm. like a document. And then I have kind of this middle step called a stylescape. The stylescape. Mm -hmm. And basically what happens is sometimes there will be a design element that comes up that I'm like, actually, this element should become part of the strategy narrative. Mm. Where I think a lot of designers, because they don't have like a middle step, they go right to the design. And it's like, Sometimes you're trying to make like a square peg in a round hole kind of thing where it's yeah. like, well, we have this strategy, but like the strategy or the narrative that we have isn't quite working visually. And so sometimes it's like, there's this visual concept that could make sense. Like, can we adapt that to the strategy and kind of have this like back and forth thing? So I'm actually super validated to hear that. Cause I'm like, yeah, that totally happens to me. Like I'll have yeah. a visual concept that I'm like, okay, wait, I can use that in the messaging, in the branding. And then it like all comes together really well. So that's super cool. Yeah. Do you have an example of that in the clients that you've worked with? Oh, I'm trying to think. So there's a client that I'm working with right now. And I can say this because I'm delivering it tomorrow. So she'll have it before um, this episode comes out. But she's a life coach and she helps people work on their money mindset, figure out what their goals are, make progress towards that specifically in their business. And, you know, we've like been talking about these things. We have this brand strategy, but as things have been coming together visually, I had this concept of like the seed and the fruit. Right. Okay. And she is kind of acting as the gardener or the teacher between planting the seed or the desire for whatever it is you have or want in your life and then the actual fruit like getting the actual results Results. and so there's kind of this like juxtaposition of something that is that exists right now and something that could exist in the future right like her um this is kaylin i'll just say it because she deserves a good shout out The core of her brand is that she believes whatever you desire for your business is possible. And she will fight for that, even if you feel like maybe it's just a pipe dream. And so I wanted something that kind of captured that, something that you want, but isn't quite here yet, and something that you can cultivate and nurture and grow, and something that will blossom. Anyway, so there's kind of like this plant analogy that's come, right? And as I kind of created that visually, I put some of that into her strategy document. So we're using language like nurturing the seed of your dreams, cultivating the okay. environment of growth, you know, these things that kind of tie up. It's a visual motif, but put back into the messaging. I see right. that. I see that. Right, exactly. So yeah, it it doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes there will be something that comes to me that I'm like, oh, that's the perfect, perfect thing. And like, we can make it really cohesive. That's cool. I like that. It's honestly not to just brag about it, but I feel like it is such a cool process to go through. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe that I'm actually the one doing this because this is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, when, like, when it comes together, like I had this concept of like seed and fruit and growth, but I was like, I don't want to do just like a plant, you know? Right. Right. And so I'm kind of exploring this option of a plant where it's, like, some of the leaves are filled in and some are not. It's kind of, like, this open and beginning and ending vibe. Anyway, right. It's just been, like, really cool to actually do it. I like that. Yeah. I felt that in my work, but it's just very different. Yeah. You get to, like, actually see the vision because your work is visual. For me, it's, I like, know. well, mm-hmm. I was researching and taking notes in this document. And then I turned my bullet points into paragraphs in this same document. And then I rearranged the paragraphs in the document and I wrote topic sentences. And uh, then I added a conclusion to the same document. It's 89 pages. Thank you very much. I know. It is true, though, that the concept has to exist in words. Like you have to be able to put words to it before you can do visuals. Yeah, I believe that. Although you'd be proud of me in everything I've written in my current job. I've tried to include a chart. I love that. So far, a lot of people have rejected my ideas. But one of these days I'm going to win and there will be a chart. Absolutely. Okay. We were talking about, was I talking to you about this or Cobb about this? I can't remember. But he was saying, I think I was showing him one of the brands that I'm working on. He was saying, it's just cool to see it come together and to see how something can be communicated visually. Because it's like, you can tell somebody that you're authentic a million times, but they will understand that and feel that so much faster if they can see it. Right. And like, I was looking up, it's like, you can understand or perceive icons or illustrations 80,000 times faster than you can read a paragraph. Mm -hmm. It's just like so much more effective. So I think every paper should have a chart in it. I think it should too. I'm working really hard. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm not in charge. <laughs> tell your boss to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I'll tell him, and that <laughs> that will change his mind. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so oh gosh. should do you think we should do a part two of the American I think we Girl dolls? Part two. I feel like it was really fun. Let's ask our two fans, <laughs> Allison. Fans. <laughs> <laughs> our pod. Okay, we have three fans. The two people who left Google reviews. Yes. And our podcast manager. <laughs> and I can't even really get of- Ty to listen to this podcast. He's listening <laughs> to a bunch of like KGB stories and he oh won't my gosh. stop to listen to this. I was going to say, I know for a fact, one of the podcast reviews is from mom. So we'll see what she thinks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll ask our mom what she, what she <laughs> would prefer. Oh, uh-huh. also, I'm sorry to add this as a postscript. I just oh, remembered okay. the name of the American Girl playwriting software. Oh, this Which is I actually important. Think, I think was a pivotal, you know, developmental moment for me. Oh, yeah. American Girl premiere. Premiere. That's right. American Girl premiere. So because like when you would little play. Yeah. When you would like start the program, there was like a little red curtain that would open. I think it would even say like starring Molly McIntyre. You know? Yes. Yes. It had all of those people. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. So I think it does. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll do part two. We'll figure out the schedule. We'll do part two next. And then we also are going to do a branding challenge. I think we said we were going to do Cobb next. Yeah. So we have done Eliza, but it hasn't mm-hmm. dropped yet. Yes. And then I think after that, we'll do Cobb. And then we have, if you're following along in the alphabet, E is for Enneagram. And we're going to be talking yes. about that in the weeks to come. Yes, I'm going to try and make that one super useful like not what your brand like not a brand for each enneagram but like if you are an enneagram 1 you should look for brand elements that are x y and z. That's kind of what I'm envisioning. I think that's good. We can do it. Okay, thanks everyone. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio.